And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Lajos and Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How is everybody doing this week? You good? I'm doing good. Good, good. It's amazing how much better my mood is now that I can put on baseball while I'm suffering in lab. <laughs> uh, that is a good thing. Definitely, definitely a good thing. All right, so start off with promote, extend, trade. And on this date back in the 1500s, Ponce de Leon left the Bahamas, and he went to go looking for the mysterious undiscovered land to the north, La Florida. And <clears throat> supposedly he was looking for the Fountain of Youth. And maybe it would have been better off for everybody if he hadn't found Florida. But he did, and here we are. Uh, this is widely been regarded as a bad move. <laughs> Are you saying he was a true Florida man? Oh, no. The original Florida the man. Original Florida Florida man. And it's especially better because he was, wasn't native to Florida but moved there. It is the perfect Florida man. <laughs> he Florida retired man. Florida. For looking, <laughs> goes looking for Fountain of Youth. Commits genocide. Oops. Oops. Well... Because it's the Fountain of Youth, and we'll talk about, you know, tied to baseball here. So who are you going to promote, extend trade of these players who, I guess, found the Fountain of Youth and had really great careers, um, well, had really great performances towards the end of their careers when basically everybody else would have petered out? And we have three Hall of Famers to make it kind of, you know, uh, even here, and also all our pitchers. So first we have Roger Clemens, who threw 849.2 innings after the age of 40, and he had a 299 ERA with 259 walks and 763 strikeouts. Next is Randy Johnson, who threw 1,013 innings after the age of 40, and he had a 387 ERA with 239 walks and 1,004 strikeouts. He also had a perfect game, right? At like 42? Or was it just a no-hitter? I think it was a perfect game, but I I'm will, not sure. I will look this up while you continue. Mm. And last but not least is Nolan Ryan, who threw 1,271.2 innings at the age of 40. And he had a 333 ERA with 527 walks and 1,437 strikeouts. Randy Johnson threw a perfect game at 40. He's the oldest person in baseball to throw a perfect game. Not bad. He did it to the Braves, too, so... (laughs) Good. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. Uh, Are we all going to just trade Clemens into the sun for a variety of reasons? Yeah. Yep. Fuck Roger Clemens. Yeah, fuck Roger Clemens. Yeah. Also, he was at least the most likely of these guys to be on the deuce the whole time, which makes oh, the... Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Right. Like, he definitely was, and I don't know that we've ever had any evidence that either Ryan or Johnson were, so... The only thing Ryan did was eat, like, red meat eight times a day, and... What? That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, like, that's the <laughs> strong. 
just slamming raw steaks in the dugouts yep. between Absolutely. innings. <laughs> Got to get your protein. Hands up. <laughs> Biologically, Roger Clemens was pretty old, but uh, like scientifically, scientifically, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thirty. Yeah. This is beyond science. Um, yeah, fuck, fuck Roger Clemens. I'm partial to Randy Johnson. I would understand if anyone else went Ryan instead. How many innings did Johnson throw again? Compared Johnson had 1,013, okay, okay. and Ryan had 1,271.2. Because, like, Ryan gets the nod as, like, the durable guy when he was old and stuff, but Johnson was too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, that's kind of underrated by Randy Johnson, where he was still throwing a ton at that age. It wasn't like he was hurt all the time or whatever. Like... He was, he was he was good until like yeah. literally his last season he was a well above average pitcher. Yeah, it just kind of fell apart on him at one point, but that happens. Like, and interestingly enough, I mean, you're comparing. There's, I think, a little bit of overlap at the beginning of their careers, but you're comparing two different eras. They both have exactly the same ERA plus 116. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. After the age of 40. Randy was doing it in the steroid era, which I think is worth... I know this is a, le- a stat that's normalized to league average, but still. Here's yeah. a fun question. Who was the more intimidating at bat between Randy Johnson and Randy Nolan Johnson. and Ryan? Randy Johnson. I, I, I would say Randy Johnson. I feel like a lot of people would say Ryan because he would that just literally down. kick your ass. But in terms of the raw pitching, Randy Johnson must have been a fucking trip to watch. But like, Nolan Ryan didn't know where the ball was going. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> he had like, so many walks that you legitimately... You like, at least Randy Johnson fear. was accurate. He was just like, oh shit, that ball is like some crazy slider or whatever. But like, Nolan Ryan could take your head off by accident. And like, <laughs> like you wouldn't even know what happened. You know what I mean? Maybe I just haven't seen the vi- a, a video of this, but I'll never forget how terrified John Crock looked facing That's it. That's exactly where I was going to go ahead. <laughs> if you're a left-handed hitter, that has to be absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Not only so is long. it 99 to 100, but it's starting like three feet behind your back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how anyone, any lefty, like... And then the slider just takes a, like, a, like a left turn. <laughs> and it was like a weird angle and like a weird... Like, and again, literally starting behind you, and mm-hmm. everything's fast. And he like the fact I'm surprised. Right, I mean, when you're six ten and throw like Randy Johnson does, maybe it doesn't really matter. But given that arm slot and the arsenal, you would have expected righties to hit him a lot better than they did. No, it's, it's still ninety. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the the Patrick Corbin thing, where mm-hmm. um, the slider's such an effective pitch. Uh, and, you know, Johnson didn't have great command, but he, he could back foot, you know, he, he had that spot down mm-hmm. um, where he could he could put it in a place consistently that uh, righties wouldn't touch it. So be yeah. a puddle on the floor facing Randy Johnson. In the, uh, Unless you're Joe McEwing for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. The, the Patrick Corbin tunneling thing where the, the fastball and the slider play off each other very well. Jeez, I think between... that's similar to... Between 1995 and 2002, Randy Johnson was worth at least seven wins in every season except 96 when he was hurt. 9.5, 1.6, 7, 7.6, 9.5, 9.6, 10.4, 8.1, then a 2.4, then a 9.6. <laughs> like, 
He, he oh, oh, by the like, way, the 9.6 war was his age 40 season. It oddly feels like he's not talked about enough in the upper echelon of pitchers. Like, he is and he's not, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he is an inner circle Hall of Famer. But, like, he might have been the best pitcher of the time. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. he's kind of just an inner circle Hall of Famer, and that's it. And I don't want to just downplay that, but still. It's, he was so good <laughs> for so long. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Johnson over Ryan just because yeah. of the walks. Yeah. Look, we're we're really splitting hairs at this yeah, point. No, if, exactly. if you're arguing between Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan, like, <laughs> yeah, there isn't a wrong answer. It's okay. No. I got to say, though, like, obviously, fuck Roger Clemens. I didn't realize how fucking good he was, though. Oh, When he was older? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I knew he was good, but, like, holy shit good. When I was young, I didn't realize how old he was as a Yankee. Right, 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 right. Like, I didn't... When I realized that he was, like, on the 86 Red Sox, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. because you, when you're young, you don't really think about age like that, but he was an old dude on those Yankees teams. Like, he wasn't... He was at the end of his career. Kind yeah. of at the end of his career. Like, mid, mid to late 30s. And- exactly. Like, I thought he was, like, 28, because why the hell wouldn't I have when I was 8, you know? <laughs> Drugs are a hell of a drug, man. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs are a hell of a drug. All right, well, let's move on to the people who are hopefully well, wait, not was, doing... Was the Fountain of Youth just steroids? <laughs> it, it might have been. Funny. Also very in line with the Florida theme, if we're being yeah. honest. That would explain a lot. Just anabolic steroids. <laughs> <laughs> A pool Just of liquefied torazol out in the uh, bayou in Florida. We found it. <laughs> or wait, no, not uh, stenolazole. Is that the horse one? That yeah, that one. Which one was created by Eric Goodell's father? Uh, he created one of them. He was uh, like the inventor of maybe he like created human growth hormone. I think. Yeah. There we this go. is a story that I was not aware of. What? Yeah, his dad is like a scientist and like invented all of that shit. The like, father of Dodgers pitcher, well, former Matt at the time Dodger of this article, pitcher Eric Adele invented the synthetic version of HGH. Yeah. Uh, why didn't he use it on his son then? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> his son doesn't need it. His dad invented HGH. Yeah, I think they're okay on money at this point. Eric Adele, Eric Adele could just play, <laughs> have a good time. I really thought Eric Goodell was going to be good, and then his elbow was... I think he actually was good, and then his elbow was just fucked. He was, he was I yeah. trusted he him more than many yeah. <laughs> Eric Goodell, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, so... Huh. Oh, hopefully our way-too-early draft uh, uh, choices are not doing HGH or steroids or any kind of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so my remaining guy, Chase Deloiter... Uh, James Madison's midweek game against Stetson, it got canceled, so only, he only got into games during the weekend series that they had against the University of Delaware. And as we are recording right now, they only played two games, so he went two for six with a homer, five walks, and two strikeouts. So that brings his season line to 429, 571, 768, with four doubles, five homers, six steals, and seven tries. 18 walks, and 15 strikeouts. Great numbers, but again, I mean, he has like 16 games here. It's kind of disappointing. 
not the numbers, obviously, but just the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, so few games between their schedule and then his, you know, injury issue a couple of weeks ago. All right. Um, Lucas, what's going on with Brock Porter and Dylan Beavers? Did so Brock Porter, Porter start I'm, yet? Yeah, Porter still hasn't started. I'm actually looking, trying to look up the start date right now. Uh, shockingly, I'm not that tuned into the Michigan high school sports schedule. Uh, you'll have to it's forgive probably me too on cold up there, right? Yeah, it's probably still snowing, honestly. Yeah. Um, but he still hasn't played last time I checked, so no update there. I promise this wasn't intentional. Uh, <laughs> Beavers hit a grand slam yesterday. Is hitting 281, 383, 629. That's a 1,012 OPS. Nine homers on the year, so he's not quite at the top of the race with um, uh, Jelloff and. Uh, my God, I'm forgetting the Tommy other. Wilson? Yeah, yeah, they're like three guys who have 11 or 12, but Beavers is nine, so he's really not that far behind. Um, has kept the strikeouts under control, 20 strikeouts and 90 at bats, and like seven of them came in three games. Uh, 16 walks against the 20 strikeouts. I'm still still quite pleased with what we're seeing from him. He's looked better against lefties as well. Uh, he's performed against uh, the best competition they've placed, uh, faced. They played Florida, and he played well. The Grand Slam he hit yesterday uh, was against OSU. Um, oh, he's he's doing what he needs to do. Um, is he going to be a top 10 pick? Probably not. Is he going to be someone I'd be very excited for them to grab mid-first in the underslot or after the first? Hell yes. All right, Ken, how is Jace Young and Cam Collier? Uh, so, Jace Young has um, kind of continued chugging along. He played in four games since we last spoke, uh, three of which were in conference. Um, he went five for 15 with two homers, four walks, and two Ks. So, now on the season, he's hitting 364, 517, 636, which is a uh, 1,153 OPS. Uh, he's at, he has five homers on the year, 13 extra base hits, 22 RBIs, 25 walks against 15 Ks in 88 at-bats. So, yeah, it's still um, kind of chugging along on his you know path of destruction. <laughs> um, really not much else to say. Uh, I did happen to watch him go 0 for 4 yesterday uh, amidst all the moving craziness. But... Um, yeah, nothing new to report. Stock way up. Most definitely will not be around when the Mets pick at 10. Um, Cam Collier has continued kind of cooling off a little bit. Um, they're starting to get into their, you know, conference play, and he hasn't performed quite as well. But he did manage to go 5 for 13 uh, this past week, uh, which was weird. They, they had played two doubleheaders. So they only played on the 19th and the 24th, but both ended up playing four games. Uh, he went 5 for 13, he hit a homer, and uh, struck out twice against three walks. And he's now hitting 284, 424, 486 on the season. It's a 910 OPS with two homers, uh, six homers, sorry, 11 extra base hits, 17 RBIs, and 14 walks against 16 Ks. 
I'm surprised. I mean, obviously, we don't oh, have, no, I, like, I read the wrong. God damn it, I did it again. Oh, no. Section. I, I was going to do a thing on Robert Moore <laughs> as well, since Jace Jung won't be around. Uh, but so Collier went four for 13 with a double and two walks against a strikeout. He's hitting 316, 438, 509. That's a 950-ish OPS. Six homers, 23 walks against 20 Ks, and uh, almost 150 plate appearances. All right, that's a little... I was about to say, I'm surprised that the average was so low. I mean, it was still <laughs> good, but... But yeah, he was hitting like 330 as of last week. So, like a down week, because uh, he, he didn't really hit for much power. But, um, again, he's still young, and they're starting to get into the meat of their, their schedule, so... These guys also play like four games a week, so it's like, oh, down week, you had two bad yeah, games. Yeah, no, literally two yeah. double headers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um... And last but not least, Thomas, how's Gavin Cross and Brandon Barriera? Uh, Gavin Cross has continued his season. It's Gavin Cross is having a weird season where he started so well that, like, he's starting to, like, normalize his stats and it just looks worse. Like, now he's hitting <laughs> 299, 386, 558 in 18 games, and that's only looks bad because before he was hitting, like, 360, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things where... He's probably just he's having normal games now instead of like going three for four every night. But obviously, it still counts for the whole season, and it's a nine forty five OPS, and you'll take that. And the wrist thing does not seem to be hampering him at all, which he missed some time for earlier in the year, so that's nice. And Brandon Barea has continued to have a weird season. Last week, um, he threw he didn't give up any earned runs, but he gave up like five unearned runs. And this week, the same thing happened to him. Uh, they, 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 there was actually a really good game. It was, um, he goes to American Heritage and they played the number one team in the country in a Taravella High School, and both Berea and a Miami commit started for the other school. And um, <clears throat> American Heritage won five four. He pitched five innings, struck out nine, gave up zero earned runs and four unearned runs. So I don't know what's going on with their defense. I don't know if it's it, it's now. This is the problem with doing high school stuff is since we can't really watch these games, I don't know if it's his fault that he's giving up these runs. I don't know if, like, he induces a double play ball and the guy botches it and two runs score and that's not his, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where scouting the, the, the stat line here is very misleading because we can't really tell if it's the pitcher's fault or not. Like, there was a write-up, like, I read a few write-ups about the game and they explained that the uh, Taravella guys got screwed. Like, their center fielder straight up just dropped the ball that scored two runs. Like, that's two unearned runs, but it's not the pitcher's fault, obviously. But I don't know if an error happened and then he gave up a home run and then here we are, you know? Or, right, like, right. whatever it may be. So, he's pitching well. He's striking out a bunch of people. He said after the game he's throwing four pitches for strikes and throwing four pitches in the zone, and that's what he's trying to do. And if you're 17 and doing that, you're going to get drafted and scouts are at these games and stuff, so... It's really about his stuff, and he's still throwing hard. He still has, has the spinny uh, slider and all that. So, yeah, I mean, striking out nine over five is great. <laughs> Just, Do they, uh, I don't... They're, they're in Florida, right? Yeah, both. Yeah, he's a Do Florida. Do they ever play uh, IMG or no? Um, They probably have. I could look. I don't remember what teams he's played, honestly. I think he played them earlier in the year. Like, I mm. think they played them in, like, February or something. Uh, I see, I see. And he got hit around a little bit, but it was, like, the first game maybe. It was something mm. to that effect. And also, it's, like, IMG. Like, yeah, I am that will happen. Mm-hmm. Just for the Elijah Green matchup, though, that would be entertaining. But 
Uh, baseball in Florida in February. <laughs> yeah, right. Must they be started, nice. They, they, they started on like February 24th or something. or something. Like right around my birthday. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 their first game was February. I think there's a pretty high non-zero chance that it was like snowing here on February 24th. I don't remember five minutes ago, so don't ask me what the weather was a month ago. Mm. Well, it's cold now, so I'm sure it was cold in February. Mm. All right, so we are literally days away from the minor league season starting. Uh, AAA Syracuse starting uh, Tuesday. Everybody else, um, Binghamton and... Well, I should say a week from Tuesday. Everyone else, uh, Binghamton, Brooklyn, St. Lucie, they're starting on Friday the 8th. So first thing this week is I want to review the predictions that we made last year. I wish I wrote them. Yeah. No, this is going to be bad, isn't it? I wish I wrote them down so that I didn't have to actually go back to the show and listen to the whole thing. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, so I, I learned a lesson, at least, to write these things down in the uh, text of the post for future reference. Mm. But, yeah, um, we make predictions every year before the season. So before we get to our predictions for the upcoming season in a little bit, first we are going to review the predictions that we had coming into the 2021 season. Uh, we each made three of them. I'm going to lump the first three that you guys made together because they're all related. They all involve the same, you know, person and concept and everything. So, um, Lucas said that Matthew Allen was going to be a top 30 prospect in all of baseball oh. at the end of the season. Oh, and then he got Tommy John immediately. Oh, I mean, it would have been right. Kevin, oh. <laughs> Ken, he said that Matthew Allen was going to pitch in double A in 2021. It did not happen. And Thomas said that Matthew Allen was going to be the consensus number one prospect in the system by the middle of the season. Oh, man. Well, all of ours could have happened, which right, is the right. sad part. Maybe so, not mine because Alvarez ended up like turning like and a baby. But, yeah, and Beatty too, but. Is yeah. this <laughs> we cursed him? Is this our fault? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. We should all be ashamed. It is very possible. Oh, no. My my first one, at least, wasn't as comical. It was equally wrong. I said that the Brooklyn Cyclones are going to win their second straight championship. That did not come to pass. No, it did not. But at least I didn't curse anybody like you guys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Son of a bitch. I was so confident in that prediction, too. I mean, if he was healthy, it would have... I was all in. I mean, I'm still kind of all in on Allen, but go, man, shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically... Oh, man, shit. Our Allen predictions this year are going to be like, he's active for one week at Uh the end of the season. (laughs) He pitches. Matthew Allen will pitch one point. Ken's prediction has gone, he pitches in double A to, he pitches. Just pitches somewhere. I don't know where, but he does it. All right. Um, yeah, so strike for everybody. 
Okay. All right. Um, next, I'll start with just mine since I have that up first. My second prediction was that Elian Nunez was going to be a top 25 prospect in 2022, somewhere in the 20 to 25 area. Honestly, I don't even remember who the hell Elian Nunez is. That's so funny. Until I had to go back and listen, and I was like, oh, okay. And he was an IFA that the Mets signed in June 2021. And there's stuff to like. He has a low 90s curveball, um, a high spin rate curve. He's 6'2", 170, so there's room to grow. But he ended up pitching 2.2 innings in the DSL over two games. So you're not going to jump into many prospect lists with 2.2 innings under your belt. Do you remember what your logic behind that one was? Because I don't even remember this prediction, to be totally frank. Yeah, I, I forgot about it, too. That I don't basically, this person existing. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, like I said, I was like, wait, I said this? I mean, he was, uh, you know... Uh, a high, not uh, uh, he was a IFA that was just recently signed. He had good stuff, and the back of the prospect list, that twenty to twenty-five area, it's so wishy-washy that with a good season, a guy with you know so young, so raw, and you know maybe a good season um, in the DSL or FCL under his belt could sneak in. And in my defense, that kind of is what happened with Joel Diaz for a lot mm-hmm. of different outlets. So kind of like the wrong name, but same principle. Mm-hmm. But that's still a, a whiff by me. Um, Lucas, here's your whiff. Uh-oh. <laughs> Giordani Ventura will be a top 10 prospect in the system by the end of the year. <sighs> Giordani Ventura was hurt and did not become. So I curse not one, but two <laughs> Mets pitching prospects. Yeah. Someone so fire seems- me. Christ. Um, Thomas, according to you, at the beginning of last year, the Mets minor league system as a whole was going to have a winning record. They did not. Less bad. Finally, we, we are going to get to some good news here. Ken's prediction... Francisco Alvarez will be the best catching prospect in all of baseball by the end of the season. Oh, nice. We'll give that one a pass. We'll give that one a stamp of approval, a thumbs up, because so two linkers really have shouldn't. been added to that. Um, so MLB Pipeline currently has Gabriel Moreno of the Toronto Blue Jays ranked higher than Alvarez. Well, that is incorrect. No, yes, no, that so, is. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Moreno's also like they're already trying to play him at third. He's I know nothing about him, so other than... Probably not a catcher. Also, like, Rushman should be up. Yeah, I like yeah, know. So what I was planning on doing during this this little thing is um, Adley Rushman hit 312, uh, no, 271, 392, 508 at AA, 312, 405, 490 at AAA, and was basically 40% above league average at both stops. Has that ball he hit? Four hundred or so. Has has that ball he hit in spring training landed yet? Uh, Not confirmed. I can't Uh, believe they didn't call him up. Well, I can, but I also can't. Zips projects him to be a three-war player next year. (laughs) What? And the Orioles got the absolute least amount uh, by F four out of the catching position. That's all I'd like to say. It is according as planned. Yep, that's all I'd like to say about that. 
So we're, as a group, one for eight so far. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Well, it's not gonna get too, it's not gonna get too too much better. Great. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right. Our last three predictions for the uh, 2021 season. I said that Thomas Zipaki would get called up. Ah. And that he would get Rookie of the Year votes. Ah. Damn. <laughs> I should have just thought when I was ahead. Steve no. gets half a point. <laughs> I award you no points. May God have mercy on your soul. Complete you know, note, but Ali Sanchez is playing in the spring spring training game for the Cardinals. So, hell yeah. old friend alert. Fourteen point seven ERA for Thomas Sapucky. He did not get rookie of the year votes. He's already yeah, it's off. It's a bummer none of us had a vote. <laughs> Could you imagine we just vote it? Vote <laughs> put, put him on the yes, back of our got it. Uh, What Steve really needed was another rookie with a similar S name to get one of those mistake votes, like Ryan Tapera getting one vote instead of Trey. (laughs) That, in the episode, that's literally what you said. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was saying that, you know, I was hedging things that, you know, if he wasn't good, possibly someone would mistakenly put his name down, or... I was saying that perhaps out there there was a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America who is a very uh, a very proud Polish nationalist and would vote for his fellow Polish individual to get at least a, a vote, but that unfortunately did not happen either. So, damn. Yeah. I'll move on to the. So yeah, I was over. I was terrible. Every single one of my things did not come true. Um, Thomas, you were also over. Your oh, third, <laughs> your third prediction was that the Mets system would get bumped nationally. Um, you didn't claim that the Mets would would slide into the top ten or the top uh, five, but you did say that the Mets um, would become more of a middle of the pack system, like fifteen to twenty, depending on what players popped and depending on the Mets having a good draft. So I don't oh, think that's yeah. necessarily incorrect. Because, yeah. Because if Allen was healthy and they kept Rocker, they probably would yes, be. For, forget Absolutely. Allen. I think with Rocker, if the Mets don't go full fucking idiotic and not sign Kuma, <laughs> I think with Rocker, they are in the 15. Yeah, they're, I, yeah. Uh, like they're average. Like they have I, a lot of high-end talent and not a lot behind it, which is fine. I agree that that would have been the case, but unfortunately, they oh, no. not have Rocker. <laughs> and you guys did curse Matthew Allen, so... Almost only counts in horseshoes, so it doesn't matter. So, yeah, we uh, we didn't do too good there. I don't even, what Lucas, is my third one? Lucas, your third one. 
was um, on the negative side. Oh, I guess it it did come true. Okay. Your third prediction is that Ron and Mauricio would be a disappointment in 2021. I'm going to take that. Yeah. That's not wrong. (laughs) It's not wrong. Um, You know, there's a lot of different ways you can quantify things, but I, I... it's not wrong. I think we had, regardless of how he actually did, I think we all had a little higher expectations. And Conveniently, and spoiler alert for what's to come, I already have Ronnie Mauricio's stat lineup. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie Mauricio hit 242, 290, 449 at, at uh, advanced day and has perhaps the worst swing decisions of any notable prospect above a ball. So I think yes, disappointment. Like him and Ellie De La Cruz. Mm. Well, the last one is Ken. Ken already got a gold star for his. Uh, oh, this one, Francisco yeah. Alvarez. This one was oddly specific, and yet somehow it came to pass. Ken said specifically that Brett Beatty would walk in 12% of his plate appearances. Now, if you go to his Fangraphs page, when he was playing in Brooklyn, he walked at an 11.5% rate. When he was playing in Binghamton, he walked at a 12.5 rate. You put those two together, and he walked at 12% of his plate appearances. Ken, how? Which is insane. How? <laughs> I don't know. Twelve sounded like a good number. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> Even now, now you didn't include this part specifically as part of your prediction, but you added a little note at the end too. You said that he would strike out at a twenty-five percent rate. In Brooklyn, he struck out at a twenty-five point four percent rate. In Binghamton, he struck out at a twenty-five point six percent rate, which. Close enough. That's, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I got nothing, man. Uh, that's incredible. That, yeah. I'm going to claim that I understand Brett Batty on a, on a deep. Ken, do you have oh. any stock tips for us while you're here? Uh, no, not at <laughs> You have, you clearly have a karmic connection with the big dirt. Yep. I am also a dirt, so. <laughs> hey, there you go. I'm just not big. Well, you need to call Eric Adele then. His dad might be able to hook you up. Oh, okay. no. Friend of the podcast, Eric. <laughs> All right, so that was mostly an exercise in failure. So hopefully our predictions for the 2022 season won't be as bad. Um, going to organize things a little bit. So we're going to have... Mild predictions, things that might not immediately be obvious, but you think about it for a second, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. We're going to have some medium predictions, things that might get some eyebrows raised because you do guys squint a little bit to see it. But at the end of the day, it is plausible. And then we are going to have our spicy predictions, things that only a genius or a madman or Ken might say because the odds of those things happening are so slim but they might happen. All right, so who wants to start with their first... Who wants to start with their mild prediction? 
I could do my mild one. All right. Because it's, it's Brett Beatty adjacent. Okay. Um, that is that the only my mild thing about him is that he eliminates the whole ground ball perception around him and hits the ball in the air more. More like what was it, fifty two percent on the ground this year? Yeah. He he dips that well below fifty percent and starts elevating the ball and just kind of puts that to bed because I don't really think it's a conscious thing he's doing. I think it's just something that happened to have been happening to him, if that makes sense. Like I don't think he's trying to hit the ball on the ground. I think he just was. So I think he makes I think the Mets with their new player development and stuff like that, and Beatty growing as a prospect, just start elevating the ball more. And that's my non-spicy one. It's definitely possible. I mean, his you have to take everything with a grain of salt, but his numbers in Kingsport, the ground ball rate was like 10% lower. So Yeah, and like, of course, like I just think it's one of those things that happens. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's beating the ball into the ground on purpose, so I think he makes steps to flip that on his head, just because the Mets are going to want that too, because... You don't really want to ground that much. I buy it. All right, let me write this down. So doing, Brett, doing 2023 Steve a favor by uh-huh. writing down our 2022 bold predictions. I can drop mine while you're still writing here. Yeah, that's you know that's a better idea. Later on, just send it to me. So oh, okay, I don't, sure. Yeah. Um, All right, Lucas, you can go ahead with yours. Um, so I've been the high guy on both of our near MLB-ready outfielders in the top ten. But I'm going to pick the one you guys probably didn't expect me to and say that Nick Plummer posts 150 average or better at bats in the majors this year. That's fine. Average in terms of, like, he'll have 100 way to runs created plus or better in 150 at bats. Man, that helps. <laughs> Uh, let me let me modify that to plate appearances because that's definitely what I was thinking. So plate appearances, not at bats, because mm-hmm. I think he's going to walk a, a bit. So I mean, in yes. fourth outfield, wide open right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Travis. I like Travis Jankowski as a fourth outfielder. Honestly, I wish he was the fifth outfielder, but I like Travis Jankowski a little bit. I mean, if he does what he did last year, he had a 90 weighted runs created yeah. plus, and in really yeah. great defense and some speed off the bench, I like it. But I think Plummer's going to get a chance, and. Why I didn't pick Lee? Like, I do still really like Lee. I just think he's the kind of guy who's going to need an adjustment period. So I wouldn't be surprised if he sucks again in his first extended MLB action, but eventually figures it out um, just due to the swing and miss issues, um, whereas Plummer, I think, will do a better job of adjusting quickly. And Lee seems more of a prospect. Like, they're going to want him to start in Syracuse rather than kind be the of. fourth outfielder in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Plummer is, like, already 25, and... I think the upside, on, uh, the upside on Lee is also such is more than Plummer, right? So I'd yeah, rather. Like, I don't think Plummer's going to be a starter ever, which is no. fine. Mm-hmm. Like I, if he's caps out his fourth outfielder, you need that. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that that's all that bold, but you said yeah. mild. It's yeah, exactly. It's mild. I'll go with. I'll throw mine out there because it's it's. Uh, Fourth outfielder related. I'm going to say that Jake Mangum is going to be a top ten prospect on our list next season. Steve, I had that too. Steve, I had that one. (laughs) I hate that I agree with this. I mean, he's 14 right now. JT Ginn, one of the guys in the top ten, is gone. So effectively, he's 13. And, you know, he would have to... Hurdle over Eric Orsi, Calvin Ziegler, and Hayden Sanger right now to get to 10. And if you take Ziegler out of the equation, because he's 
very different from those other guys. Mangum, Orzi, and Singer are all kind of like the very same player. You know, Orzi is a reliever with the tools to be uh, an okay middle reliever. Singer is I a can catcher. see Orzi graduating to... Yo, Ken, 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 stop, 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 stop. Okay, don't, don't do. give away my second. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, buddy. <laughs> uh, suffice to say, two things could make this wrong. One would be that the Mets are going to be having two picks in the top 15 of the draft, and then like a minimum of four guys within the top 100, so that could bump Mangum out. And then obviously another thing that could screw this up is he could get called up and lose his rookie eligibility which is probably unlikely, but it, you know, a lot went wrong last year, so we know yes. a lot can go wrong very quickly. How many outfielders would I want to call up before Bangum? Plummer? Oh, assuming Jankowski is in the minors, once they have a 26-man roster, Jankowski, Plummer, Lee. Um, would you call up Lee before Mangum? Depends how Lee's doing and what the role mm, is, I suppose. It depends yes, on the role. Yes, that's true. Depends on the good role. point. Um... And then also, the name is escaping me. Uh, oh, Fargus. I'd pro- if for a bench roll, I'd call it Fargus first. But I'm oh, that's biased. Right. I forgot that he's back in the system now. Carlos Rincon also That also depends on role, though, mentioning. too. If you just want a guy to play defense and speed, I'd call it Fargus first. Yeah. Fargus, I mean. Hey, bring my boy back. But, hey, Mangum was real good in AA last year. I, I, I could see it. So Legitimately improved a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like just empty stat oh, yeah. line looked okay. good. He he did changes, and those changes produced the uh, intended effects. The Port St. Lucie announcer has said Mag- uh, Magnum instead of Mangum at least twice that I've heard <laughs> during spring training. Ken, what is your mild prediction? Going very mild with this one. The Mets draft at least three prospects in the upcoming draft that are consensus top ten prospects in the system. Fair. I think that's... I think that's going to happen. <laughs> yep. They have to mess up this draft not to do that, I think, honestly. I mean, like I said, they have two in the top 15. They have well, 11 and 14, mm-hmm. and then their second round is like 40... And then their center guard comp is like sixty five or something. Something like that, yeah. And they and might possi- get a Conforto possibly, comp. Exactly, possibly a Conforto comp. They yeah. still can I, I, can I share a slightly spicier version of that I had tossed aside? I said Good they would it. drop three top five prospects. Oh nice. I thought about that, but I don't think all of them are gonna graduate. I think um Beatty. Batty, one of Vientos or, or Beatty will still be prospect eligible. Mm-hmm. Alvarez will still be prospect eligible. And uh, I don't know if I'm willing to say three prospects will beat out Mauricio, mm-hmm. just given proximity. Mm-hmm. And the guys who would likely be available at, at 60 and 65 that would have that kind of upside, of like borderline top 100 guy. Mm-hmm. So, just. Couldn't get there. I'll add a corollary to that. I also don't think Michael Conforto is going to sign before uh, the qualifying offer thing. Oh, you think he's going to take that one? I think there's a good chance that uh, he ends up being in a situation where he's still a free agent. Yeah, <laughs> in I July? So. I think it's headed that way. That I mean, that's later than it used to be. I'd be 
shocked if that happened. I think yeah. someone's just going to get hurt and force them to sign. Okay. Yeah, maybe. You know, like, it won't be, like, their first choice, but some guy blows his knee out, and then you're going to have to sign a right fielder, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> just chilling. Well, here's hoping the Mets get some sort of uh, comp there. All right, now we're going to move on to our medium takes. Who would like to go first with their... Do you want to just keep the order? Yeah, oh, yeah sure, same sure. order. Um, Lucas, um, so my Thomas. medium take was outed by Ken, where Eric Orzi gets promoted rather soon and is a main cog in the 2022 Mets bullpen. And I think a lot of it, I think he's good. Like, I think he's good enough to be a major league pitcher. And I think he's pretty much close to ready because he's an older guy and it's a, like a splitter and a fast, like he's not, not reinventing the wheel out there. But, like, this bullpen is so low ceiling that I could see guys and, like, old. I could see guys getting cut. I could see guys just not performing and they need an extra arm. And he comes up and just sticks because they don't really have other people to stick right now. You know, maybe that changes if they somehow swing a trade for a reliever soon with a JD or a Dom thing. And I don't really think that's happening at this point. I think if they sign anyone, it'll be a lefty. Like John Heyman mentioned Tony Watson, which would be good, but also that's not a right-handed reliever. That's a different role. So yeah, I just think Orsi's going to be a a legitimate part of the 2022 Mets, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think that's going to be what ends up happening. Yeah, that's definitely conceivable. He's probably the first guy up, right? If someone gets hurt, uh, Jake Reed maybe first. But oh, maybe then, yeah, but he's hurt. Right. Reed's hurt. Okay, <laughs> yeah, then hurt is the yeah. league. Oh, okay, then yeah, probably Orsi. I missed that. Yeah, he heard it a few like early, early, early. Like before the is like that's like the kind of news you miss during spring training because there's like 17 different updates every day. Yeah. yeah. But he like did something to his oblique and they were like he should be fine and then I don't know it's Jake Reed so they haven't said if he's back or not you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like yeah, I could see that. You're not excited for them to call up Steven Nagosik instead. <laughs> I'll be so mad. Because, like, I think Orsi could be a legit... I don't think he's going to be, like, a shut-down late-inning reliever, but I think he's going to be a good middle reliever, and you need that. And and Steven Nagosik is definitely not a good middle inning. Exactly. Reliever. Also, give me the splitter boy behind the really good... Yes, field, yes, you know? Yeah, splitters. More splitters! Just let everyone hit ground balls to Lindor and get out, strike out literally no one, and I don't even care. <laughs> get the job done. Um, who is next? Me, and I have to choose. Oh, do I stay on brand or I do something different? I'll do something different, just so the haters don't come at me again for being uh, negative Nancy. Uh, rather than talking bad about Ronnie Mauricio, I'll say that <laughs> Dominique Hamill will be on track as an elite relief pitching prospect by the end of the season. I'm talking like Nick McCullough-Jack, who's a really nice relief prospect for the Guardians. I almost said Indians. What a pull that is. <laughs> He's good, though. He's really good. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say James Karinczak level relief prospect because that was just fucking absurd in the minors. Uh, and there may have been some spider attack of all. But, like, <laughs> normal level, really good relief prospect um, I really like the fastball characteristics. I think the breaking stuff works well off it. Um, 
And if you maximize that arsenal, it's basically all the ingredients you want in a modern reliever. I like it. There, I was positive about the Mets system. Come at me, commenters. Yeah, no, that was... You, you took a step out of your comfort zone. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, my medium take is that the Brooklyn Cyclones are going to have the best pitching staff overall since 2012. So, Steve, you have learned no lessons. I have learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the um, 2012 Cyclones had a legendary pitching rotation. They had a cumulative ERA of 262 in 76 games, which is crazy. That was a fun Yeah, Rainy Lara had a 269 ERA. Louis Sessa had a 249. Louis Mateo had a 245. Gabriel Inoa had a 223. And Hansel Robles had a 1.11 ERA. We're remembering some names. Yep. Um, Obviously... You know, that, that 2012 Cyclones rotation was a short season one, and the Cyclones are now a full season one. So I don't think that we're going to see anybody with microscopic ERAs like that. But, you know, adjust for inflation or whatever. And, you know, like me and Thomas talked about last week, there's a bunch of different names that are going to spend at least some time in yeah. Coney Island. The aforementioned Dominic Hamill, Mike Vazel, Carson Seymour, they are you know, noteworthy college pitchers that were drafted that most likely are going to be starting in um, Brooklyn. Junior Santos, Robert Colina, two guys that had varying degrees of success, but there's potential in both. I mean, right there, if that's the rotation, yeah, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm trying to see them as much as possible because that's a really fun group. Another guy not to sleep on, Garrison Bryant. He's mm-hmm. been around, like, forever, but he's still 23. He was hurt last year. Um, he was good when he was with the short season. He's in Cyclones in 2019. You know, this stuff was protected in Coney Island. So this, you know, we'll see if he could do that again in high A. But I was looking. You want to hear a crazy stat? In the 19 years between 2001, when the Cyclones first played, and 2020, when the New York Penn League ended, the Cyclones led the league in ERA six times. They were in the top three 13 times. They were in the top five 17 out of 19 times. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Only twice in two decades were they not in at least the top third. Oh, they could not pitch last year. (laughs) But um, 2016, they had a cumulative 333 ERA, which still ain't bad, and that was that was nine out of 14. And considering the uh, continuing the organizational tradition of making pitchers. Mm -hmm. And 2017, they had a cumulative 418 ERA, and they were dead last in the New York Pen. But that's a pretty impressive run for that. Yeah. Well, well I look forward to them having an ERA over five this year. <laughs> yep. Made yep. Bold prediction should be good. Should be good. Yep. Ken, who are you cursing now? Uh, Francisco Alvarez again. Um, uh, oh, oh but you, you're good though. You have the goal. Yeah, you're fine. We'll see. We'll see. I think I'm due for some regression, but um. <sighs> Shit. Francisco Alvarez is a top five prospect in baseball heading into the 2023 season. Uh, for much the same reasons that I said uh, he would be a the top catching prospect in baseball. Uh, so again, if you look at um, who's a, he's currently ranked at number ten on uh, Baseball Prospectus's top 101, 
And number 10 on MLB Pipeline's uh, top 100. They happen to be the two that I have in front of me, so we'll use them. Ahead of him on Pipeline is Bobby Witt Jr., likely to graduate to the big leagues this year. Uh, Adley Rutschman, if he doesn't, we riot. <laughs> That'd be uh, egregious. If he doesn't get called even, up. Even by the Orioles stand, I don't yeah. think they could do that. And I'm going to hedge in a minute, but uh, Julio Rodriguez, probably going to be in the big leagues. He might make opening day. Spencer Torkelson, probably will be in the big leagues. Him too. Riley Green, probably will be in the big leagues. He also might make opening day. (laughs) Uh, Grayson Rodriguez should be in the big leagues, but it's the Orioles, so we'll count him him as as in the mix for the the top five. Uh, Gabriel Moreno, the aforementioned Gabriel Moreno, likely to graduate, also questionable. Anthony Volpe will probably be in the minors, and C.J. Abrams will probably be in the minors. So on Pipeline, there's three guys for five spots. Well, I, I hope that... The 101 adds a few more, if you don't mind me rambling for oh, a bit. sure, sure. Jordan Walker, probably going to be a better prospect than Alvarez. So that yep. gives us four or five guys for five spots, and Marco Luciano also in the mix there. So six guys for five positions, as far as I'm concerned, uh, barring anything ridiculous, and I also expect Alvarez to continue to mature and take a step forward, whatever that may look like. So I think it's pretty reasonable, but um, did not play out that way last year because of the the petty antics of old rich men. I I hope that uh, the GM of the Orioles is listening to this right now, and he's just like, oh, hold my beer. (laughs) The only the other two guys I think worth mentioning that could maybe leapfrog him uh, going off the one on one are Noel V. Marte and Marcelo Mayer yeah. if they really go nuts. But overall, I agree with everything you just said. Yep. So it's maybe seven guys for for five. Right, right, right. So decent odds. Mm-hmm. If he if he if if these trends continue. Yep. <laughs> All right, and now it's time for our spicy takes. We need a flamethrower sound effect. Whoosh. 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 <laughs> Thomas, what is your spicy take? I don't know how spicy this is. It feels spicy because of how young Francisco Alvarez is. I'm, ba- I'm piggybacking off of you, Ken. But by this time next year, spring training going into the 2023 season, Francisco Alvarez is the third catcher on the Mets depth chart, and people will be saying he should be called up and make the opening day roster. I could see Francisco Alvarez being the starting opening day catcher next year, to be completely honest. I think that's spicy, too, just because how <laughs> young he is, and he's a catcher. Like, like, this whole time I've been like, man, he's a, he's a catcher, and he's a child. Like, it takes them so long to develop. But also, I mean, if he's hitting the way he hits, like, you just yeah, can't deny it at some point. putting him in some type of timeshare at DH with... Yeah, that's exactly and, what I was going to say. Yeah, like, fine, moving... Yeah. Like, you could have him catch three, you know, twice a week and also get his bat in there five days a week or... You, know, you, yeah. let, you let DeGrom pitch to whoever DeGrom wants to pitch to because... Scherzer, too, to be honest. It's also not inconceivable they could carry three catchers because the rosters are, are bigger. And if one's it, hitting like Alvarez... If one is exactly. possibly um, an asset with the bat... It's kind of like Alejandro Kirk in Toronto, mm-hmm. where he's not going to catch all the time, but the Gritchick trade opens up DH for him, and they'll be able to do both and get his bat in all the time and use him that way. And also, Nito is still going to be around, I'm sure, and he could be your backup defensive guy if you want, if it's a DeGrom or Scherzer day. 
So you can get creative that way and kind of, I don't think JD will be in the organization. You could by do then. two games a week for all three of them. Yeah, Kaiser, you could, you know. which I think would be good for McCann too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I think McCann, I generally think the less he catches, the better he's going to do offensively. Yeah, because I just don't think his body is capable of handling that workload. And There's very few catchers in today's game are. Which, yeah, I'm not saying it's not a fault against him. Like he was really. No, I mean, good I mean, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, I, I, he was legitimately good in Chicago when yeah, he was yeah, yeah. in a timeshare. And so I think by this time next year, people will be, like, pushing for Alvarez to make the opening day roster, like, the media-wise and fan-wise. Just yes, because. in a similar fashion to, like, how Pete Alonso yep. clamored for that. Yep. Um, I will say I don't think it's particularly likely, just given what we know about the, the front office who's running this team. No. Um... It's we're also worth noting the other comp of a top prospect making the, the opening day roster was not under this front office. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a good spicy take. Realistic, uh, but also with some upside. Uh-huh. Holy shit, Pete just murdered that baseball. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's why I stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, update, Jacob DeGrom has struck out more in two innings while throwing curveballs left and right because he can. And, and one of the hits he gave up was a curveball at some guy's toes that yeah. I don't know how he hit. So. Mm. Jacob DeGrom, still good. Oh, my I'll God, Pete. <laughs> that ball. <laughs> um, right. Is it my turn now, I think? Yes, right? yes mm-hmm. it is. Oh, I have to choose again. No, no, you know. I'm gonna Give us the positive. spiciest thing you got. I'm going to be positive in a spicy way here, even though I want to say that Ronnie Mauricio is not going to be a top 10 prospect, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, anyway, uh, spicy take, Joel Diaz be a top 100 prospect in baseball. That is pretty spicy. Now, this is not based on uh, – me, my personal scouting takes on him because I've only seen some mediocre, grainy video. Uh, but everything that's been written about him at Baseball America has me very excited um, in terms of the velocity, the strike throwing, the projectability of the frame. Now, I still think he's going to be in A ball or something on that level. Uh, but I think the performance he could put up in the complex leagues uh, and then eventually in in a ball towards the end of the season uh, could open enough eyes. Now, this is also a total Hail Mary, right? I'm not working, like I said, not working off inside scouting information, but this is the um, trajectory that uh, such a player would be on, right? This is how it looks before it breaks out. It's yeah, it's a possibility. And you want it spicy, so there's spicy. Yep, that is spicy. Also, there's going to be trades that the Mets make at the deadline, and that open up. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I think the top uh, ten is going to be like totally different. It's going to be dr- dramatically different next year. I think we're going to see at least one of Beatty and Vientos graduate. I don't know what we're going to do with Allen next year. Um, there might be five Allen- players in it. Right, and then who knows, like, Lee and Plummer might both graduate somehow. Orzi might graduate, and he was right outside of it. I think they're legitimately going to add four names to the top ten in the draft. 
we're a long-term catcher injury away from like a guy like Sanger graduating. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's going to be Jalen Palmer might if Jalen Palmer has another bad year, he's probably tumbling down the list. Yeah, getting replaced. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it would not surprise me if Joel Diaz is a top hundred prospect and top five in the system come next season. Yep. Well, we will see. I will. I mean, I go next, but uh, what I'm about to say is related. And my spicy take is that a prospect drops out of the top 10 in 2023, and that prospect is Matthew Allen. Ooh, that is spicy. <sighs> just his injuries? Yeah. All those things that you just mentioned about adding the players and, you know, basically when the 2023 season starts, Allen's going to have 15.1 innings under his belt total. Mm-hmm. 10 during the regular season in 2019, and then uh, 5 in the New York Penn League playoffs. So you're presuming that he's not going to pitch at all this year? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. You're working under that assumption? I, even if he does pitch, they're going to be token appearances, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't think and, it's going to be JT Ginn, where he pitched, like, a lot, kind of? No, I don't think so. I mean, best-case scenario, he would have come back around that and would have had that timeline, but then he also had the ulnar mm-hmm. transposition surgery in January, so that pushes the timeline down a little bit. I don't think that's going to complicate anything because that's not like a huge that's not really a huge surgery or nothing like that, but it's just going to slow down the process. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Not the worst take. Like, it's it sucks <laughs> to hear that one, but also like, I, yeah. there's logic behind it. It's not like out of, this, out of the I'm way. I'm going to wind up screwing you here, Steve, because I still like him a lot. I'm going to wind up overrating him and dragging the average up. But I, <laughs> everything you said, it's not going to be intentional. Everything you said is correct, unfortunately. But, I mean, there could be, you know, the thing is that since the last time he's going to be pitching competitively, that's, I think, a good yeah, way yeah. to put it. There's going to have been three drafts. There's going to have been three international uh, signing Periods where players have been signed, whatever trades happen, um, other guys in the system already will be developing. Maybe they make another minor league free agent signing like they did with Plummer, a guy that gets slotted in very quickly. And did the same thing last year with Sam McWilliams. He didn't work out, but... Mm. So a lot could happen. And yeah, I see enough good happening that Allen drops out. I can't wait for my pr- pr- prediction next year then to be Alan is a post-hype sleeper and works his way, <laughs> and works his way back. I mean, you and I are going to have it like word for word identical on that front, I'm Yeah, because, sure. because I'm 100% going to be like, nah, he's still good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ken, you need to save us all here. Uh, I'm going to go with Brett Batty hits 35 home runs across all levels. Whoa. Oh, my God. I thought you were about to say in the major leagues. I'm going to fall out of my fucking chair. Uh, so Honestly, with, they, is... with Batty, he's going to be like, he's switch hitter now, and he just starts doing it. And I'm like, oh, God, God damn it, Ken. <laughs> uh, so part of my logic is similar to Thomas's prediction earlier that I, I don't think the, the whole ground ball thing is really a thing. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to hit more in the air. Uh, I've always been a very strong believer in the raw power. And um, the hit tool's been you know, significantly better than I thought. So I'm assuming the power is going to come. I'm assuming if it does come early in the season, there's a good chance he gets bumped up to AAA fairly quickly. And then if he ends up in the big leagues at all, that opens up another month for him to, to mash. So we'll see. 
That is definitely spicy, but it's a good spice. aggressive. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I went a little too not spicy last year on batting, so... You predicted his walk rate exactly. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, basically, both, uh, basically both to his career norms. So that's still betting that he wasn't uh, that it, what who he was in the appy was who he would be. Well, I mean, if you get this number exact too, that would be that would be pretty good. I don't think I'm going to, but hopefully, <laughs> he's going to hit 34, and we're going to be like, damn, <laughs> so that's close. Tough. That's tough. That's an L for Ken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are those are our mild, our medium, and our spicy takes for uh, 2022 season. And we'll finish things up with the Will Pottery of the Week. And honestly, I think we could probably rename this in his honor, but the Will Pond of the Week is our illustrious mayor, Eric Adams. <laughs> <sighs> like... I don't know. Is it is it just a little coincidental that Steve Cohen donated a little something something to his mayoral campaign, and and now that baseball is about to start, professional athletes are going to be getting a uh, COVID waiver. And they did the press conference at City Field. Oh, they, that's right. They just happened to do it at City Field. With, you know, just just a nice location, very scenic. Good old Corona. I'm I'm a little torn because I think the science does somewhat support the idea that. Such a mandate was no longer necessary, at least not presently. We could always have another wave. Um, Agreed. Such as the, uh, not to scare anyone, but the new Omicron variant we see in China at the moment. But on the other hand, fuck you, Kyrie Irving. Go get vaccinated, you fucking <laughs> moron. So. New Jersey's uh, own, Kyrie Irving. Really? Yep. He's from Jersey? Jersey. I mean, like, originally Australia, because I think he's a, a military brat. Ah, uh, that, uh, that explains um, a lot, actually. Yeah, he went to high school in, in Elizabeth. I had no hmm. idea. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if Kyrie's boss, the owner of the Nets, happened to give a little something to Eric Adams, maybe this would have happened a little sooner, you know? Uh, Kevin Durant said something interesting where they asked him about it in a post-game interview, and he was like, well, we tried, and then the Mets and Yankees came calling, and they changed it immediately. So, <laughs> and like, like that—that that wasn't verbatim, but it was basically it. And so, I think that's just true. Like, the Mets yeah. and the Yankees are not going to have how many guys who are unvaccinated not play. You know, like that would be a, a whole thing where, for the Nets, who cares? <laughs> like, realistically, as good as the Nets are could be with all the talent they have, despite all the injuries and stuff. Like, also, Kyrie's just insufferable. Right, like, not that I, not that I want to excuse any of the unvaccinated players on the Mets, and I don't know how much of that is public knowledge, so I don't want to start naming names. Uh, but at the very least, they're less in your face about it, and I think that does matter when you're a public figure who can influence people to make bad decisions. Um, yeah, honestly, I think just Adams didn't like Kyrie Irving. Like, <laughs> I think that was part of it, because he would just be kind of like, I don't want to say rude to him in the media, but I can't think of another word where like, they would be like, well, what about Kyrie? And he was like, well, he needs to get vaccinated. Like he was just very strict on him and not so strict on everyone else. And I think that's what you're saying. Kyrie's an interesting dude though, because he does a lot of good for the community and does a lot of good things. And then he also is like a flat earther. Yeah. it's, it's, 
he he's like he's such like a human contained multitudes guy, you know. Uh, it's really interesting. I hate Kyrie Irving so much. Well, suffice to say, next time you need something done, make sure you donate millions of dollars to one point five million politicians. <laughs> yep. Oh, let me just <laughs> check my couch cushions real quick. <laughs> Scrape that money together for us. I do gotta say, it's super villain shit to <laughs> donate one point five million dollars to a campaign basically bribing the guy to drop a vaccine mandate and then having the the press conference at your baseball stadium that you own. It's just not even hiding the corruption. On and like no one before. cares. Everyone yeah, was like, yeah. "Good job, Steve." <laughs> can you Wait. imagine? Can you imagine this happening at the Mets stadium instead of the Yankees? Like, if you told someone, if you told someone the uh, that a New York baseball team bribed the mayor to change the law and they announced <laughs> it at the stadium, you'd be like, "Oh, so it was in the Bronx, right?" Yep. What? It was in Queens. New era, baby. New era. All right. Well. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Locus is at ElvLahos343. Ken Levin is at KenLevin91. And Thomas is at ZMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>